1: Just the best literature.
0: Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, uh, I don't have any comments for today, but there's a lot we need to cover. Now, on our last podcast, uh, Grant Turgeon and I uh, got about halfway finished with the uh, first half of Chapter 37. For today's podcast, Grant and I want to finish Chapter 37, and we want to begin discussion with two more short chapters, 38 and 39, but then... We want to get into forty. Forty is my favorite chapter. <laughs> so, so chapter thirty-seven, again, as I was saying uh, last time, is this is uh, this is Melville experimenting with becoming Shakespeare, and uh, we know from history and it's, it's well documented that he was really studying uh, a lot of the uh, Greek plays. He was studying, you know, Shakespeare. I think he was even studying um you know uh, some of the other medieval writers and so he's uh, he's uh maybe he's getting a little bit bored with writing Moby Dick it's so long he thought maybe I'll just start experimenting so so chapter 37 is titled sunset and what it is it's uh it's uh, Ahab sitting alone he's uh, he's in his cabin but he's by the window and he's gazing out into the sea and uh um it's really, it's really quite beautiful, to be honest. And uh, some some of the things that we talked about last time, just to remind you and refresh you out there, is that, that you know, he he looks out at the sea, and he sees the the, the white wake, and it, it uh, he sees the pale waters, and then the sun is setting, and to, uh, to him it it looks like it's a glass of wine, <laughs> you know, the goblet. Uh, he said the warm waves blush like wine. The gold brow plums the blue. Now, if you remember back to chapter thirty-six, when he's taking over the Pequod, I mean, this is a totally different Ahab. <laughs> you know, there he's like, uh, you know, it's like a scene out of Star Wars, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and and uh, uh, you know, it's, it's like, uh, uh, you know, he, he's like, um, you know, the 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 evil, the evil leader. And, uh, you know, so uh, we talked about that chapter. And again, if you haven't heard that that broadcast, go back to listen to that one, because I think we did exceptional with that chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that
1: one, that chapter, it was almost like a mutiny, except King Ahab was already in charge, not King Ahab. Ahab was already in charge, but he changed the mission once they were already far out on the water and no one could really go <laughs> like, against him. No. So he, he upended the, the whole purpose of their journey out on the water. So
0: it was almost like a mutiny except he was already in charge in the first place. Right, right, and the, the thing is we're gonna see when we get to chapter 40 today that uh, he uh, he really took control of all their minds too. <laughs> we're gonna see that as we go along. All right, um, so so then, then um, uh, towards the end there, it really shows kind of like where he's coming from. And it says, I've willed. This is page 183 in my book. It says, I've willed, and what I've willed, I'll do. They think me mad. Starbuck does. But he says, I'm I'm demonaic. And that's really, a, the, the, let's say, a characteristic of a demon. And he says, I'm madness maddened. And he says, that wild madness, that's the only calm to comprehend itself. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it, it's a... It's it's it gives me chills just reading this, you know. It's like here he is, he's demon egg, and he knows he's mad, and uh, uh, you know. But it says that wild madness. That's the only calm to comprehend itself, and so he says, "Hey, I understand this." And uh, he goes on and he talks about this prophecy, and I think maybe we did mention this last time that uh, that his he would lose his leg, and uh, uh, that's the first time it comes up in the book in this chapter. And then he says, I will dismember my dismemberer. And so he's, he's going, after, uh, going after Moby Dick. Um, he said, that's more than ye, you, you great gods ever were. I laugh and hoot at you, you cricket players, you pugilists, you deaf pukes, and you blinded Bendigoes. And so, so uh, you know, he's comparing himself to like all these pagan gods. <laughs> it's like he's mighty. You know, this is the mighty Ahab. And uh, if, you, if you look at the deaf Burks and the blinded Bendigo's, uh, he, he's mocking, um, I, I think he's really mocking Starbuck, but, but he uses historical characters. And these two guys were wrestlers. And one of them was blind, um, and one of them was deaf. And so, but they were really great wrestlers. They were really well-known in their days. And so, so you have to get that image. So when, when you're reading this, you know, he's talking about two wrestlers. Says, "I will not say as schoolboys do to bullies, take some of your own size. Don't pummel me." So, so here, you know, it's like he feels like he's in this wrestling match, and he's being bullied. <laughs> you know, this guy is psychotic,
1: <laughs> and he says he's not going to back down. He doesn't care if they're bigger and stronger, if he's outnumbered. Yeah, he he's just totally given himself over to. Out of control emotions. So no matter what happens, he's going to get his way.
0: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, those two were were per professional uh, box, boxers. Um, it, it was uh, his name with the the the, the Birks, his, his first name was James, and uh, uh, he was born in eighteen o nine, died in eighteen forty five. So you can see that that um, what what I think is interesting is how how Melville incorporates something factual into the chapter. So people reading it at that time in the 1800s would have known, known these two characters. Bendigo, uh, he, he was, his name was William of Bendigo, and uh, he fought for the uh, heavyweight championship in 1839. And so, so uh, you know, these guys were, were historical figures, so. So
1: he was blind? but boxing yeah like how blind was he could he see even like a blurry image
0: of his opponent he must have been able to okay he must have been able to because how could you do that (laughs) so so anyway he says come come Ahab compliments to you and come and see if you can swerve me swerve me you cannot swerve me else you swerve yourselves man man has you there swerve me the path to find my, my fixed purpose is laid with iron rails whereupon my soul is grooved to run so now he's comparing himself to a locomotive, and you're not going to stop him. You know, <laughs> just, over sounded gorges through the rifled hearts of mountains and torrents beds. Unerringly, I rush, not an obstacle, not an angle to the iron way. So, so get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way. I'm i steamrolling. All right. So so the, the, the to me, chapters thirty-eight and thirty-nine are are really really kind of good, and. Uh, uh, we had Starbucks um, I mean we had um, Ahab's soliloquy now in chapter 38 it's called Dusk and we have Starbucks soliloquy and uh, uh, it, so it, it really gives you insight into these characters and uh, it's kind of like Melville just gives you layer after layer it's like an onion skin he keeps peeling more and more off but it, but it tells you so so here uh, Starbuck is leaning against the, the, the main mast. And so if you can imagine on the stage, you'd, you'd be, you, you, the stage would be set up like a ship. And here he's leaning against the mainmast, And he says, my soul is more than matched. She's overmanned and by a madman. Insufferable sting, the Sandy that, that uh, should ground arms on such a field. But he drilled deep down and blasted all my reason out of me. And so he's telling he's telling us that he couldn't be he was being controlled now by Ahab. It's just amazing, right? They had that confrontation in front of the entire crew
1: and Starbuck is the one speaking facts and logic and common sense and yet Ahab whipped up all this emotion and won the entire crew over to his side. So now even though Starbuck was right, He's stuck on this ship in the middle of the sea. He, he can't do anything about it. No one would support him, even if he did try a mutiny. So he's stuck out there. What yeah. can he do?
0: Yeah, and, and in some ways, he also succumbed. You know, he, he succumbed to the pressure. And so so he's not happy with himself. He says, uh, he says uh, I think I see his impious end, but feel that I must help him to it. And so... So he's he's actually had his mind changed. Well there's no other choice either. Yeah, so that's right. There's yeah. nothing he could do about it anyway. Yeah. He says, Will I, nil I, the ineffable thing he has tied tied me to him, toes me with a cable, I have no knife to cut it. Horrible old man. Who's over him? He cries, I he would be a democrat <laughs> to all above. <laughs> so so I don't know if Melville was is being prophetic about the Radical Democrats we have today, but it's like Ahab would definitely be a radical Democrat. <laughs> he's he's getting his way. Um, you know, there's so many people say, "Hey, this book is still applicable to the day." There's one statement. <laughs> he has the word "democrat" right in the chapter, so it says, "He says, for in his eyes I re- I read some Lord woe would shrivel me up had I had I it." So he's looking into his eyes and and uh you know I know uh, your grandfather has talked to us many times but if you look at Hitler's eyes he was definitely possessed and uh you know you can tell that you know when a person's possessed you can see it in their eyes and so so uh he's saying man his eyes are scary
1: yeah and there's like a spirit thrashing around inside of Ahab and controlling him yeah. and Ahab has to have some kind of strength because Starbuck is saying that would wither me, I wouldn't be able to survive being controlled
0: emotionally like like no. Ahab is. No, yeah. But he goes on to say, yet is there hope, time and tide flow wide. The hated whale has the round, watery world to swim in as the small goldfish has its glassy globe. Uh, his heaven insulting purpose God may wedge aside, I would upheart, were it not like lead, but my whole clock's run down, my heart The all-controlling weight. I have no key to lift again, and so, so, uh, uh, you know, he he's saying that. Well, you know, God could still be involved in this. He could, you know, the whale has the whole watery world to get away in. So maybe this won't happen. So he's he's trying to hold out some hope. (laughs) He's hoping they never find this whale.
1: (laughs) He knows how tough the whale is. They all, they know how tough Moby Dick is, but they also exaggerate it as we'll see later so they're all terrified of him
0: and starbuck does not want to see moby dick again right right so so then there's another little scene scene uh uh, explanation there says a burst of revelry from the forecastle so that's this is going to lead us forward to uh i think one of the most unique chapters in the whole book it says oh god to sell with such a heathen crew that have small touch of human mothers in them Welp somewhere by the sharkish sea, the white whale is their demigorgon. Hark, the infernal orgies that reverie is forward Mark the unfaltering silence aft. Methinks it pictures life. <laughs> so, so you're gonna, we're, we're, we're going to get to that one here in just a minute. But uh, there's a lot of reverie. It's like there's this like, a uh, uh, big pagan festival now taking place on the, on the ship, and because he's got everybody stirred up and drunk. <laughs> you know they've all been drinking this this uh the the the, the 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 I think it's the mead or what what I forget what it was the grog that's what it was well yes yeah, so starbuck has
1: clearly agreed to support ahab even though he doesn't think it's the best idea but he's not on this level he's not gone totally he's not, <laughs> insane like the rest
0: of the crew <laughs> he's not gone pagan no no and then at the end of that chapter it says "O oh life tis an hour like this with soul beat down and held to knowledge as wild untutored things are forced to feed oh life tis now that i do feel the latent horror in thee but does not me that horror's out of me and with a soft feeling of the human in me well yet will i try to fight You grim phantom futures, stand by me, hold me, bind me, oh you blessed influences. So, there it's kind of like he ends this soliloquy with a prayer. He's asking for protection. Yes. And he said he's going to fight, you know. And so, uh, uh, so many people don't understand today's world that it's totally being influenced. Leaders, world leaders, are totally being influenced by, you know, the millions of demons and the devil that are now locked on this earth. And uh, we all need to be praying for protection from, from them because it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Okay. Uh, any other comment on that one? Well, I, I do love what you said there about the end of that chapter
1: where he is praying for protection. There's, there's a good side and a, and a bad side, a light side and a dark side, basically. And he, he wants the good side of the spirit realm to be on his side. Because yeah. he can see all the darkness around him and he knows that trouble is coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, in, in some ways, Starbuck is, is the, he's, he's like the righteous character in this whole, the whole thing. You could see Ahab dressed in black and him dressed in white, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just think about it. I mean, if, if people really in this world understood what was really going on and everybody repented and stood, and just took it all to god and say forgive us and protect us from this god would change things i mean that's that's what we have to see
1: even if they would at least start by acknowledging that the spirit realm is real is real and that there is a good and a bad side to it that would make a huge difference and a lot of people would start to change how they
0: live yeah but if you look at Hollywood, I think they believe it's real because all those stupid horror movies they make. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who's inspiring
1: that? Who's inspiring? How, how do they depict it so accurately?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Uh, chapter 39 is called First Night Watch. And this is Stubbs. <laughs> this is Stubbs. <laughs> Soliloquy. So so essentially, if we set up the scene, he's, he's part of the first night watch. And so yeah, this is kind of a really... Uh, uh, serious time on a ship you know, they're watching everything at night and uh, they're making sure the ship is protected and uh, he's at the foretop and it starts out, it's just hilarious ha 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 him, clear my throat, I've been thinking over it ever since and that ha 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 the final consequence, why so because a laugh is the wisest, easiest answer to all that's queer (laughs) (laughs) So we've been talked Stubb isn't any big surprise here. He's just gonna he's gonna approach this whole thing with laughter.
1: Yes, laughter, which is medicine to the heart. yeah so he he's just trying to to cope in his own way. right It seems like at least Stubb realizes that there is some sort of danger, something is wrong with this situation out at sea, otherwise, he wouldn't be calling it a queer situation. He right. wouldn't be trying to laugh it off
0: like he is. Yeah. Yeah, he's not talking about men here. He's talking about <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's talking strange. about Strange. <laughs> strange, yes. Yeah. So uh and anyway he says, um uh but but notice he says there for all that's queer and come what will, one's comfort's always left. The unfailing comfort is it's all predestinated. So Stubb does have you know, it's it's like fate he's gonna it's in the hands of fate and uh, you can't fight fate and actually president biden just said the same thing he said i believe in fate and he said i'm gonna run in 2024 but you know he said i'm a firm believer in fate and my health may not be good then," which scared everybody because most presidents that are going to run say i'm in Good exactly. health. Exactly. <laughs> so, so uh, anyway. Well, that's so, a wrong belief. Yeah, to, to our president to, believes yeah, in fate.
1: <laughs> yeah, to think that no matter what you do, your path was chosen for you by a higher power ahead of time. I mean, there has to be free will yeah. in and
0: human beings, or not. else there's no point to doing anything. Right. Unless the, and, and and it's unless he believes it's not a really good, <laughs> a good being on the other side. All right. So he says, I heard not all his talk with Starbuck, but to my poor eye, Starbuck then looked something as I the other evening felt. But sure, the old mogul has fixed him, too. I twigged it, knew it, had, the, had had the gift, might really have prophesied it. For when I clapped my eye upon his skull, I saw it. Well, Stubb, um, why Stubb? That's my, that's my title. Well, Stub. what of it? Stubb. Here's a carcass. I know not all that may be coming, but be it what it will, I'll go to it laughing. Such a waggish leering as lurks in all your horribles, I feel funny. Fala lira skira. What's my juicy little pear at home doing now? Crying its eyes out, giving a party to the last arrived harpooners, I dare say. Gay as a frigate's pennant, and so am I. Fala lira skira, oh. <laughs> So, he said, then he has a little poem here, and this is uh, definitely, uh, you know, Melville being totally, totally influenced by Shakespeare. (laughs) Well, drink tonight with hearts as light, to loves as gay and fleeting, as bubbles that swim on the breaker's bim, and break the lips while meeting. I can hear, I can hear Stubb singing this. (laughs) So, he said, the brave start that, who calls, Mr. Starbuck, I, I, sir, He's my superior, he has two. if I'm not mistaken i I sir, just through with his job coming so so uh Starbuck is coming towards him, and he's he ends his soliloquy all right it's like it's like
1: Stubb isn't just thinking this to himself, he's definitely saying it out loud. He said his own name four times in <laughs> one sentence, <laughs> yeah. so it's like he's talking to his other half. He's like I don't know what's going on with him, but he he's got some sort of
0: mental issue maybe yeah I don't he's, know. he's a little off yeah. <laughs> i mean come on uh I, I don't think facing a whale in a whale boat is going to dinner and that's what <laughs> that's what he believes he's just laughing in the middle of their uh, doom almost yeah. all right so so uh we we have about nine nine minutes left and this is the most interesting chapter it's midnight on the forecastle and uh the, the thing that i think is uh is is totally you know, really good about this chapter is um, to me this is another Melville experimental chapter but it's written like a musical and a uh, couple things that it shows is that uh, first of all there's the international flavor of the crew so you've got people from Nantucket but you've got uh, you know, people from other countries. Um, you know, there's French sailors, there's Azor sailors, there's China sailors, there's a French sailor. You know, there's a Dutch sailor. So that shows that. But the 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 thing that I think is most interesting it it's it shows the wild exuberance that Ahab stirred up in the crew. I mean, it's it's like they're now they're partying, and it's like. This is the kill the whale festival. <laughs> you know, they're they're having this festival, and it's it's like this pagan festival, you know. It's it's like a pagan festival over the hunt to kill one of Ahab's nemesis. You know, it's like it's, it's like it, it's it's interesting. Now I've i read a few other things, and uh, I uh, I found this uh, Melville Society extracts, and it, what what the. This guy writes. It's really kind of a long article. It's like seventeen pages, um, but uh, this is when people really liked Moby Dick and they were really studying it. And he said it's really another soliloquy, but it's the soliloquy of the crew. Oh, okay. And now that, doesn't that make sense to you? What What's going on? But uh, um, and I I think if if we could uh, we could cover as many of these. We we don't have a, a whole lot of time left, but. Uh, I spent a little bit of time with this, and uh, when I read that um, again, I I, uh, I I really got a lot out of this paper. It's kind of long, but um, the, these sailors <laughs> these sailors are really funny. All right, so uh, uh, maybe we just go to the first one. These these are the harpooners and the sailors. <laughs> <laughs> so so. So you have to imagine this scene now. There's no women on this boat. Right. But these guys are dancing with each other. <laughs> and they're talking about the ladies of Spain. They're talking about the ladies of Spain. So it they're says, pretending some of them are women, at least. Right, right. <laughs> it says, so So they're supposed to sing singing and dance. Now, remember, they've been drinking grog. They're probably now all possessed by demons. You know, it's it's like they're or they're you know they're, they're definitely heavily influenced by demons. It says farewell and adieu to you, Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu to you, ladies of Spain. Our captains commanded, and so so to me, um, if if you uh, we I've been showing usually during class I'm i showing the the wreck of the Essex, and it's it's a true story. This that that he based the. Um, this uh, book on is what happened with the Essex, and I think at one point in the Essex they stop in Spain, and they they get a break. They stop in Spain, and so I, I think this is where Melville's getting this. Now the 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 extract I read, he doesn't know where they get this, and uh, but but essentially what he says is that that what what these what the the uh, seamen or the sailors are saying is okay, it's time to forget. You know, our physical desires, it's kind of put our past life behind and just focus on getting the whale. And so that's why they're saying goodbye, Spanish ladies. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And uh, so I, I thought that was actually pretty interesting. When I first started reading this, I thought, this is the dumbest chapter I've ever read in my life. What's going on here? But then uh, <clears throat> the more I read it now and understand it... Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting the the, the the response to that little song is the first Nantucket sailor, he says, oh, boys, don't be sentimental. It is bad for the digestion. Take a tonic. Follow me. And so, so in, in some ways what the Nantucket sailor is telling them, look, don't, don't think about your wives. Don't think about your families. You know, just, let's have another drink <laughs> and let's keep going. Let's, and, and so so uh, then notice it goes down. And it says, sings and all follow. So he starts, the Nantucket sailor starts, starts singing. And listen to what he sings. He says, our captain stood up, upon the deck, a spyglass in his hand, a viewing of those gallant whales that blew at every strand. Oh, your tubs and your boats, my boys, and by your braces stand. And we'll have one of those fine whales. Hand, boys, overhand. So be cheery, my lads. May your hearts never fail while the bold harpooner is striking the whale. That's a great little poem. But he's telling them, look, let's not worry about what could happen. The harpooner is going to be down there stabbing the whale. Don't be afraid of it. Imagine being cheery as you watch a harpooner
1: destroy a whale. I mean, you might be excited, I guess, but to be cheery and and basically singing in your heart the way he's describing it is is pretty hard to fathom. So they are really just entirely focused on this will. Like this is how they're going to reach their life potential. And so they're thrilled about
0: it. They're, They're so, look at the power of, let's say look at the power of leadership. I mean this is where Ahab reminds me of Hitler. Hitler could get just captivate an audience and get them to do his will. And Ahab has done the same thing. I mean, here these guys are just singing and dancing. They're so happy they can they can help him kill Moby Dick. You know? uh, then the mate, the the, the uh, one of the mates say eight bells forward. So so uh, the, here they're supposed to be working at the same time. And uh, then a second Nantucket sailor says stop the chorus. <laughs> so he's trying to stop them. He said eight bells there. Do you hear, bell boy? Strike the bell eight, thou pip, thou blackling and let me call the watch. So he says, look, you got to stop this so we can continue to protect the ship.
1: Yeah, they're, they're all drunk and <laughs> dancing as if some of them are women, and they're singing together. And, and <laughs> or they're also reciting poetry, it seems like. So they're really just going crazy yeah. while they have a job to do. And it's a really
0: dangerous job. It is. It really is. Uh, it says, grand snoozing tonight, matey. Fat night for that. I mark this as the Dutch sailor now, says... I mark this on our old mogul's wine. So that's, a, that, that's what he's talking about, uh, Ahab there. He's a, the old mogul and his wine. It's quite as deadening to some as filliping uh, to others. We sing, they sleep, I lie down there, lie grounder butts at M again. There, take this copper pump and hail him through it. Tell him to a vast dreaming of their lasses. So he's telling them to stop dreaming of their last, says, tell them it's the resurrection they must kiss their last and come to judgment. That's the way, that's it. My throat ain't spoiled with eating Amsterdam butter. <laughs> so, so the Dutch sailor is saying, look, you guys are all coming to judgment. You better stop drinking. <laughs> you better stop drinking and dreaming about your your, your uh, women. The seems, French. seems like he he wants everyone to be awake right now. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't care if people are asleep down below. <laughs> no, get up. And then the French center says, His boys, let's have a jig or two before we ride to anchor in, in Blanket Bay. What say you? There comes the other watch. Stand all by all legs. Pip, little Pip, hurrah, and with your tambourine. So Pip He's been woken up. He's, he said he's sulky and sleepy. He says, I don't know where my tambourine is. <laughs> <laughs> so so listen to what the French setter says then. He says, well, beat your belly then and wag your ear, ears. Jig it, man, I say. Mary's the word. Hurrah. Uh, won't you dance? Form, form now end and file and gallop into the double shuffle. Throw yourselves legs, legs. Yeah. <laughs> so... Indian file? What's he talking about? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> They're running around in circles? <laughs> uh, the I- Iceland sailor says, I don't like your floor, matey. It's too springy to my taste. I'm used to ice floors. I'm sorry to throw cold water on this subject, but excuse me. <laughs> so, so, anyway, I, I think uh, all of you out there, we- we're not going to go through that whole chapter, but you really need to read it. And uh, if you can find this Melville Society Extracts on Moby Dick... It'll really explain that to you. So that's all the time we have for today's program. On our next program, Grant and I will begin discussing two longer chapters, chapters 41 and 42. Now, you can buy Moby Dick at Amazon.com. You may be able to find a good used copy at abebooks.com. You may be also able to find a copy in your local bookstore. Of course, you can also check your local library. So please write me any comments you may have to jbl at pcog.org. We could sure use a few comments. You can follow JBL on Twitter at JBLiterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for Just the Best Literature. So until next time, keep reading.